The things that I love so much about the forum is just like being there, being a part of the conversation and not even having to add so much to it, but just being able to read all of these really like-minded, but still just different minds discussing some of these different topics and seeing the critical thinking that goes on. Welcome back to the Clinical Athlete Podcast. If you're not familiar with Clinical Athlete, we're a network of healthcare providers, students, and coaches who specialize in the management of athletes. And we have two missions. The first mission is to connect athletes with professionals who they can trust. And we fulfill that mission through the Clinical Athlete Directory. You can find your nearest clinical athlete provider or certified clinical athlete barbell coach at clinicalathlete.com. Our second mission is to create a community and foster the education of those professionals and future professionals in the realm of athlete health and performance. The podcast is one way that we fulfill that mission. And another way is the Clinical Athlete Forum. The forum is our education, mentorship, and networking community where we discuss and share ideas and resources related to athlete health and performance. To learn more about Clinical Athlete and everything that we just talked about, head on over to the website, clinicalathlete.com. If you enjoy this podcast, do us a favor and give it a rating on your favorite podcast platform so that we can get the information out to as many people as possible. My name is Quinn Hennick. I'm a doctor of physical therapy in Orange County, California at Clinical Athlete Newport. On this show, we're bringing back our student editions. Chris Hewen, a physical therapy student and Clinical Athlete Forum member, came to me with the idea of bringing these back in order to highlight some of the all-star students we have within the Clinical Athlete community. Chris is an all-star student himself, and he'll be leading an interview with chiropractic student and clinical athlete forum member Geronimo Bejarano to discuss Geronimo's journey of knowledge acquisition up to this point. It's a great conversation for anyone who plans on being a lifelong learner. I'll be part of the discussion as well, so let's get to it. What's up, Chris? How are you, man? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Great. Can't complain. Good. Well, you can, but who would listen, right? Yeah, for sure. What up, Geronimo? How are you guys? Good, man. How are you doing? Doing all right. I'm in Florida, so, you know, it's uh, complicated down here, but... I hear you, man. I'm in California, so we don't know what the hell's going on. I feel like all three of us are in the worst states. Like, I'm in Texas. Yeah. Florida, California, we're not thriving at the moment. No, those are the, yeah, those are the three worst places to be. But if you, if you go to the beach here in California, it looks like just regular day. Hardly yeah. anybody's wearing masks. Everybody's hugged up. It's actually incredible. Are you close to the fires at all? Uh, no, I'm not. Um, I'm, I'm generally close enough to the coast where those aren't an issue. But, you know, it'll... It, the next thing is when it doesn't rain, we have the fires and then it's going to be, there's going to be like a downpour and like for like a week straight and then we'll get mudslides. So that'll be, that'll be fun. Yeah. But maybe it'll wipe away the virus. That's the goal. I appreciate you guys doing this. This is Chris coming up with the idea, Geronimo for being the first one. This is awesome. I'm really, really excited. Yeah. I mean, thanks for 
thinking it's a cool idea. And it was honestly what sparked it was the one with Nate and, and Taylor, just cause I've listened to those multiple times throughout. I mean, you, the one with Taylor, the first one initially was what, two years back or something at this point. Yeah. Um, and being at that time I was an undergrad and then now I'm like, I have a kind of working relationship with both of them and just realizing how beneficial it is hearing other students from clinical athlete. And maybe you would have never heard of them before if it weren't for kind of these type of like formats. Totally. Yeah. hundred percent. I think it adds to, to like the, almost like the competitive nature of some of us that it's like, Hey, if these students can, can do this, like, so can I sort of ordeal, like why can't they understand this sort of subject and I can't uh, sort of ordeal as well. Yeah. We, I had a lot of students reach out and uh, after Taylor and Nate's episode, just to telling me that it kind of lit a fire in their ass a little bit, which is, I think is what you're getting at too. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, that's usually even the when we go to like the papers that I usually send to like students like initially coming in, like I usually send them like the qualitative like Ben Darlow stuff because like if this doesn't light a fire under you, like no, nothing else will. And I guess I can give a little background of how I know Geronimo because it wasn't only through Level Up. So Geronimo, we actually introduced through Zach Abor through level up and Zach reached out saying he had this super smart dude that was doing some research and maybe he needed someone else to help. And uh, it's been awesome getting to know Geronimo because very few students I know are as OCD about some of these things as I am. And Geronimo might kind of exceed that level. And we had a phone call last week about how we are both uh, have to wait too much time on our hands to read research and do all these things. But yeah, Geronimo, do you want to give a little bit of your background, where you went to undergrad, where you're currently in school, and what year you are? Uh, yeah, so I'm Geronimo. I went to UCF um, for four years in my undergrad in exercise science there. Then I uh, pretty much worked as a chiropractic assistant, which is kind of the equivalent as a PTA, except we don't have to go to school. Um, maybe more as a tech, but they might make us do more than like PT techs do. Um, and then I decided to go to Palmer, Florida, um, which is over in Daytona. Um, and I'm a year and a half in and it's three years and a quarter. So I'm like right about halfway there. Um, and we do things a little bit different than some PT schools. So we are, we do all didactic all the way through the first two years, essentially take a basic science boards and then move into clinical stuff. And then we do like student clinic, which is on campus under uh, doctors. And then um, we get pretty much a semester to go and out and do ortho, outpatient ortho, um, which is basically all chiros are doing now um, for a semester, uh, the last semester of school. And that's pretty much all of our clinical rotations there. It's all at the end, essentially is what I'm saying. Do you guys get any type of like um, even in-house in services and, and uh, almost like clinical type things where you're trying to get just a little taste of, of that kind of quote unquote in the trenches work? Not really in the trenches work. Cause like, I mean, we'll, they'll try to make it clinical. So like every uh, semester is geared towards a part of the body. So like we'll do like spinal anatomy and they'll, they'll do like the orthos for the neck and the spine. Um, maybe try to do some like case study sort of things, but it's not anything that like I see a patient 
up until essentially I'm out in like the, the third year, which is all clinical stuff. Yeah, our specific, the program man I'm in is very similar is we've got that two year kind of front loading of all the coursework. And then the third year, like next May till the following May will just be the, the clinical rotations. We have a very similar setup there. How were you at Cairo Tech in undergrad or did you take a year off going into Cairo school? No, I took two, two, almost two years off going into Cairo school. The way Cairo school works um, is every semester they accept. So it's a rolling admissions. Um, so I, I got to start um, in March of last year. Um, so I didn't have to like wait till August or like if I didn't, whenever I chose to go back to school, I know I could go back. Um, so that was a little different than the PT schools that I was applying to. What were your thoughts during that two-year period of being a chiropractic tech? So I didn't really know much about Cairo. Um, I initially wanted to go to PT school, and honestly, I had a really bad experience um, at my job. And like, kind of this, as I started to learn um, more, more about like rehab and stuff, um, I started reading like movement and, and just doing it um, like movement by Gray Cook, and then I got down like the McGill and stuff like that rabbit hole for better or for worse. Um, and I kind of realized that like, I didn't want to be stuck at a job where I would have to work for somebody that I didn't believe in the stuff that they were kind of doing. Um, and then that's kind of what led me to asking a lot of questions from PTs or Kairos, like off Instagram and stuff like that. And it seemed like Cairo, at least in Florida, had a more opportunity for me to be able to open up because of scope of practice. Um, so at that time being, you know, 22 years old at the time, I was like, you know what? I don't want to work for anybody. I'm going to choose a route that allows it to be easier for me to open up and treat how I want to treat. I don't know how I feel about that now, but that's a decision I made then and halfway through. So if you knowing what you know now, if you were to apply again, do you think it would have still been Cairo school? Uh, no, I think I would have went the PT route just because I, I see so many like stuff like people that I've met through clinical athlete and level up and stuff like that. There's so many places that I could work for. Um, and now I'm like really interested in doing research. So like the clinical, the stuff that I want to do clinically is almost like a part-time sort of thing that I want to do. And I really want to go and get my PhD, um, but still treat clinically like part-time, but, um, that is a lot harder when you're trying to open up your own and also do PhD. Like that's too much work. So it would have been really nice to be able to like work for a work for somebody part-time, um, now with the, the stuff that I know now and the things that I want to do now, but it'll all work out. You, we had talked on the phone prior about kind of your interest in research and pursuing a PhD later on. Can you talk about like your specific area of interest at the moment and then maybe potentially where what PhD programs are of interest to you right now? Yeah, um, so mine's like a typical Cairo, I guess. It's low back pain. Like that's just my biggest interest for sure. Um, specifically chronic pain. I think we kind of waste a lot of research um, dollars on acute pain, um, especially knowing what we know about how quick um, it resolves and the percentage of people that resolve so quickly. Um, I know we use a six week mark, but there's a recent study that gave it like 50% of people got better after 13 days. So um, I think we kind of spend a lot 
too much time on that and not enough time on either like the, the, the subacute population of high risk of chronicity or, or the chronic pain there um, and, and low back pain. Uh, I've recently been talking um, with some PhDs and it looks like my best bet is out in Boston. Um, but also University of Pittsburgh, um, they had, they just got a, a large grant, um, to do MSK, not non-surgical research. Um, and there's a lot of really good stuff coming out of UPIT. So that's another option that I'm looking at. Is the interest in low back pain because it's so prevalent or because you've had experience with it in the past or like a combination of factors? Um, I think it's because it's so prevalent and the disability is just so high. So, um, a lot of it is geared for me, at least it's geared towards public health and like the amount of money that we're spending right now. And it's a lot of it is on low back pain. And I just feel like there's not really like a, a good surgical or, or injection, um, option. Right. So I, I don't understand why we're spending this much money. Um, cause like, even if we're talking OA, like, eventually maybe there's a, a reason for surgery for some people or, you know, true radiculopathy, there might be a, a you know, a opportunity for surgery for some people. So I see why some money might be spent there, but for low back pain, I'm not really understanding why we're, we're still doing this and um, leading with like x-rays and MRIs and stuff like that. So I think that there's a really big opportunity there to really make a big impact, especially in public health. Um, to really bring all of that cost down and disability down. Geronimo, when you're going through, because there's going to be a lot of students listening to this, and there's going to be a lot of students that don't quite know what they actually want to do, where they want to work, what setting they want to work in, what what kind of, if they want to be more of a niche practice or or what, you know, and, and listening to you, it's like, wow, you know, Geronimo wants to be uh, a PhD researcher and in public health and make a, a real dent in a good way, you know, in, in the system. And so my question to you is, if a, a student is searching for their way, and maybe their way is just clinical practice, you know, or whatever, how did this idea and passion of yours come about? Was it just organically as you're kind of going through your schooling and you're just kind of allowing your own passion about research to, to come to fruition? Or did you actively search for kind of a topic that you were passionate about? I, I think I've always been really curious. So with the, I think it really started for me at least with, with MSK. Um, while, I was, while I was working, I wasn't getting the kind of mentorship that I would have wanted. So I went looking for the answers, which would led me to read a lot of books then led me to find some Instagram accounts um, at the time, like Teddy, um, like the big, and it's the famous, we'll call them people, um, which led me to clinical athlete and level up um, and just talking to people like you guys and talking to people um, at level up. Just it, There was just so many different people doing different things, both in, in, in very specific practices and um, practices that um, they do a lot of, they treat a lot of different conditions and it just it allowed me to see all of the different things. I, my mind has changed a lot over the last year and a half, two years on like what I wanted to do. Um, like I said, I started off like I wanted to own my own clinic and now it's just more like I would rather do clinical practice part-time. But my big, my big thing is um, research and making a, a, a dent in, in public health and also trying to understand um, 
why schools are teaching what they're what they're teaching and because I think that in order to get upstream of that we need to be putting out clinicians that are more up to date with the evidence um, and I think the, the schooling is where we really need to start um, the students at least so like all of those things really interest me um, but for me I think it's just always been curiosity um, and I haven't found maybe the answers that I've been looking for in terms of research. So it's like, I want to be the one that goes looking for them because I'm tired of not having, not getting the answers that I've been looking for. Um, but I think that for people that just would like to do clinical work, it's just about talking to people and finding out who's doing what and like the, the people that, that are doing something that really interests you to continuing that conversation, which is something that a clinical athlete has helped me so much is just building that community and everybody being so ready to talk and hop, hop on a call whenever, no matter who you are. I think one big takeaway there is don't, don't be married to your first idea going into yeah. school. And I, I can, uh, that resonates with me, uh, definitely going into to physical therapy school compared to the, the frame of reference I have for the, the profession and the way that I view best practice now. So I think that's important and really, really interesting. And also the fact that you're kind of still in it, you know, you're in the midst of it just halfway through and, but your, your thoughts are evolving. And I think that's awesome. Geronimo to your point earlier on about like, you want to make a big dent in some capacity. And we had talked about this, I think the first time we ever had a conversation, um, and for you, it's you find that interest in pursuing the PhD and then potentially still staying in clinical practice and then research. But I think we had that agreement that that looks different for everyone of if you want to change the landscape of, let's say, musculoskeletal rehab. For some people, it could be having a pretty big Instagram following and changing younger students or new grads thoughts about certain things. Or like Quinn, you're doing something like clinical athlete or level up or barbell medicine. And so it's like every student or new grad or clinician in general, you can have, you can slowly chip away at some of these maybe old paradigms or dogmas, but everyone can do it in particular avenues that are, they're the most kind of passionate and what's kind of easiest for them to pursue. Right. So I, I think that, especially what we talked about is like, I think that we do have a little more skin in the game than maybe another type of job, just because people are coming in to us with, uh, at such a vulnerable time that we really have um, things that we need to kind of implement um, or else we're not going to make a dent in this public health realm. And um, I, I know Derek uh, Miles talks about it a lot is with the, with, um, you know, meeting the physical activity guidelines. I think that's really important that everybody should really know. And just because of how much it changes in health and, and things like that. Um, so I, I do think that there are things that everybody, no matter what level you're on from, um, just you, you work for somebody all the way up to, you know, you're a big time researcher um, or anything in between. I do think that there are things that we all need to, as, as medical practitioners or clinicians, um, be able to implement in order for to achieve that public health that we're all hoping to achieve. So getting a little bit more specific with clinical athlete, how did you initially hear about clinical athlete or maybe just hear about Quinn and then get introduced to clinical athlete? And then how long have you been a member? And after that, kind of what areas of clinical athlete have you 
devoted the most time and interest in and what have you gotten the most out of? Yeah, so for me, like I said, it kind of started on Instagram with Teddy and then Sam um, Spinelli. Um, and then I, I, at first I followed everybody that was kind of famous. And then as I started reading research and, and um, kind of uh, being in discussions, I started realizing some people might not be the people that I kind of wanted to talk to. Um, and so I started unfollowing them, but, but then I started to talk more with Sam and, and Teddy. And I, I can't even remember what the question that I emailed Sam was about a year and a half ago. Um, but we had maybe three or four email exchanges and he's, um, I told him that I'd applied for, um, the clinical athlete forum and I hadn't heard back for like a month or something like that. Thanks Quinn. Um, and it'd been like a month or a month and a half. And he, and he's like, you know what, I'm going to message Quinn. Cause he's, you're the type of like thinker that we definitely need in the forum. Um, so that's kind of how I, I started about a little over a year ago, I think is when, um, I got accepted in, uh, it was harder to get into clinical athlete forum than Cairo school. Um, so damn right. Damn right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then, um, I use the forum a lot. Um, now I think I use it a little more in terms of just reading, um, because there's just so many discussions in there. And I, that's kind of one of the questions that I ask myself is how much research and how much things do we need to read in order to be good clinicians? I know that, um, like with you guys, I think we might read a little more than the basics clinician needs to, but it's just because we're so curious and we enjoy the really nuanced conversations. But I get a lot of students that ask me and I'm like, I would just join clinical athlete, get on the forum and just be part of the conversation. I'm not sure that you need to read five papers a day, every day. Um, so that's kind of one of the, 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 the things that I love so much about the forum is just like being there, being a part of the conversation and not even having to add so much to it, but just being able to read all of these really like-minded, but still this different minds discussing some of these different topics and seeing the critical thinking that goes on, um, especially allowing it to being in a forum, you don't have to reply right away. You don't have a, a character limit. So I, I think a the conversations get a lot deeper and more nuanced, um, but you come out of it with at least a good critical thinking, maybe not a specific answer. I don't think there's a lot of specific answers to a lot of the things we do, but at least seeing how different minds work trying to get through a problem. So that's probably the, what I use the most. Um, and then I've, I, the journal club has probably ex, um, exponentially helped my um, uh, research. Even, even when you can't nap, even when you can't like, be on it. Like I'll read the paper and then I'll go back and listen to it. And it's like, Hey, what did Quinn get out of this? Um, what did the other people get out of this? Um, did I get the same thing? Um, so those two things are I think are the biggest impacts for me. Yeah. I'm going to add to that because I think initially the forum was by far the most interesting and biggest change for me. I think I was a senior when I, a senior in undergrad, when I became a clinical athlete member and I started reading some of these epic back and forth between Derek Miles and Michael Ray and kind of like these OG conversations that were being had. Um, and then kind of looking on the, the directory and seeing some of these individuals and like, I ended up moving out to California and realized, Oh, wow, Derek Miles is going to be in the same city that I'm going to be in. And then spending a year with him and developing that relationship. And that would not have happened if I had not read kind of 
his posts and his back and forth and then seeing like through clinical athlete where he is. And so I think, especially for students, as you said, Geronimo, like it may be overwhelming to start just diving into research. But if you see some of these really smart clinicians or students having these back and forths on topics that may be super interesting and them kind of giving their interpretations and giving papers, it it's almost a lower barrier to entry because you're, you have this format and you can see this, this back and forth and it's not maybe as dry as potentially just drawing, driving straight into a paper. I, I think it's also really pragmatic too. I, I don't want people to think that like, we just like are in there just talking, you know, likelihood ratios and all. Of, I think the, the conversations end up being really pragmatic because I think most people in there are still clinicians. They just enjoy reading research um, so it keeps the conversation really pragmatic. You don't have to get bogged down with numbers sometimes. Um, I, I mean, I'm sure we do sometimes, but it's still, I think that's kind of what also keeps people away is, is, is statistics and all the numbers of, of quantitative research, um, which helps when other people that do understand it can kind of um, make it applicable to the, to the clinician or student at the time. Hey guys, Quinn Hennick here. Here's our brain break from the great conversation with student forum member Geronimo. Don't forget to be on the lookout for upcoming clinical athlete journal clubs. They are free for anyone to attend and a great opportunity to practice your research reading brain gains. Follow us on clinical athlete social medias and head on over to the website clinicalathlete.com and become a free community member as well. And you'll get all of the up-to-date info on what we're doing in the realms of athlete health and performance. And now back to the show. I, I do love a, a forum in the sense that it's kind of this inward facing safe place um, where you can ask questions and not with social media kind of being this quick fire you know, uh, it's not a great platform to actually share information on certain platforms. You can't link anything, something like Facebook, your comment gets buried. And it's just, it's not really, it's, it's for what it's for. And as you mentioned, the forum, the conversations can kind of slow grow and slow cook organically. And, and people can take time to reflect, you know, if I share, if I, if I post something and I, I, post a couple papers along with it. Like I don't expect people to respond right away because it's going to take time to read that stuff. Whereas that's not really what we do on social media. We link 12 abstracts and we say, bam, see, and three fourths of those papers I haven't read, you know? So it becomes this just ridiculous uh, abstract war um, and, and where we're abusing science essentially. And I think a forum where you said made a really good point is, is, we can actually just have dialogue and and get into some of the stuff, you know, when the rubber meets the road, what does this mean for me as a clinician? And then we can reflect. And um, you both bring up some good points. And I think initially it can be a little bit overwhelming. And that's that can, not just students either. Right? Clinicians have voiced this where they go in and it's just, it's five years of discussion and, and resources, right? It's like, where the heck do I start? And it sounds like Geronimo, you're saying just start somewhere. And, you know, forum aside, I think that's important for anything. Like it ain't going to be perfect. 
I hope that nobody has got like a spreadsheet in the forum and saying, all right, I'm going to tackle these threads here and like this. And they've like organized because they're never going to do it. You know, it's minimal viable product. Your MVP is just get in there and read a thread or post a comment. That's why we've like, I've actually made these mission videos for people to say, your first mission is just introduce yourself, like break the ice. And it just becomes so much easier to, to interact I think it's important too that um, it, since it's application based, it's it's one of those things where like I'm a big advocate of of, of Twitter and and all of these things, but I, I think the conversations kind of start getting circular. Like I know every week where Twitter is going to dis- discuss manual therapy, whether it's good or not, you know, and you know every week it's just like the same conversations over and over and sometimes there's really good ones and sometimes it's just like, I can't believe we've talked about this exact same thing every single Monday on Twitter. Um, it's just so dumb to me, but on with the forum, I think it, it gets to like the really important stuff. We don't have to talk about TV activation anymore or, or all of these things that like we've, we've hopefully all kind of tried to move past and we kind of get to like the real, the real clinical problems that we still don't really understand. If that kind of makes sense. No, it does. Well, and, and so everybody's going to kind of come in though. So imagine where, you know, I just imagine I'll speak for myself. Imagine where I was two, three, five, ten 10 years ago. I had to, to go through the process and somebody is going to be, whether it's part of this forum or, or any other community and they're going to be at a certain place. And that's a process that can't necessarily be rushed, but the benefit of, of this platform is that we can say, oh, we have some awesome resources and discussions for you on that topic. Check these out, come back to us with, with your thoughts, as opposed to kind of right. what, like what you said, rehashing it all over again, because you start to lose the people who have been in that circular conversation over and over. They, they start to get jaded to that a little bit. And then now their answers are a little bit, what I see is that the tendency is to be a little sharper than you were the first or second time around. Now it's like the 10 or 11th or 12th time around. And, and, but this person, it's their first time, you know? And, and so, yeah, I, I think to your point, it just lends itself to scale. Right. No, a hundred percent. Yeah. I think that that's a hundred percent correct there with, it's just like when, when you have somewhere to, to say, Hey, we've had this conversation before, look through this and then then come and ask the questions. I think that helps a lot. That way it's not the same people having the same conversation. That way we could all move forward as a community and get to other questions that we have because there's always going to be questions. And to your point, Geronimo, you have you try to convince me to get a Twitter, which I'll probably do eventually, but it's like, you know the the benefits and downfalls of these platforms. Whereas like Twitter, you may just be getting directly from a researcher, finding what they, what they published and going straight towards that. And I see that similar for Instagram. Like I might, I may not read a clinician's post, but I may like click that the paper that they cited. Whereas with clinical athlete forum, it's, it's kind of the combination of you're attaching papers, but you're almost having like an essay of this back and forth, which I think what we all agree on is when you go to social media, you're not really in a mindset to sit down and spend time and deliberately type out 
a question or an answer. It's so you're expecting to have a quick reply or a quick reaction. And in the forum, I mean, you could sit there for hours and literally read the same uh, conversation between clinicians or students. And that's just, that also helps the practice of the skill of sitting and going through these things and not just looking at one specific post for two seconds and then moving on. It is like the deliberate practice of an in-depth, more like nuanced conversation and reading. Right. I think, I think the focus on the forum, um, because it's, it, it, it allows itself to be so slow growing like that in the conversations, um, is, is the how and how people get to a, a, a point instead of what the point actually is. Um, Because I think that's the big difference between social media is is when somebody has a conclusion or a a bias towards something, even if it's even something I agree on, it's so it has to be so quick um, because of character limit or because if you don't reply within an hour. um, So all they they try to do is put their their whatever their bias is on the line like this is this is X. X happens because of Y instead of um, being able to discuss how they got to that conclusion, which is what the forum allows. So it's, if, if you're out there looking for specific answers, I don't know. I don't know if you're going to find them on the forum, but you are going to find how really, really smart clinicians get to a conclusion. And I think that's way more important, the critical thinking aspect of learning than being told, believe this. Well, learning is a process and, and change is a process. We talk about behavior change for our patients, but there's also change within us. And that happens over a long period of time and it happens kind of organically and you don't necessarily feel it when you're the person, but you can kind of think back. And, and certainly for myself, I mean, gosh, I'll look at my posts from five years ago in the forum sometimes and just dig in and I'm like, oh God, like what the hell was I talking about? I know what I was talking about because I remember being that version of me and, and, and thinking that I was, you know, in a certain spot, you know, with my framework. And uh, so, but that, that's just the growth that, that occurs. And it's awesome to see that over time with, with all different types of individuals from varying backgrounds. And it's, it's, it's just really cool um, to be able to witness that. And what's also cool about it, I think, is that your initial question, you can build upon it. So yeah, if you read a paper, you're going to have questions about it. And it's like, oh, I wish I had like some people to bounce these off of. Well, you do. And then after your questions are, are kind of hashed out, now you go and implement and try some things out. You're going to have questions come back and let's just kind of keep chipping away at this thing. And that's how all of this stuff works anyway. Um, and so I, yeah, I, I agree with, I'm, I'm glad to hear this because that's kind of what we were shooting for. To Quinn, your point of you looking back with your own thoughts or statements to five, 10 years, Geronimo, since you're about halfway through Cairo school, is there anything, let's say, like from the beginning, first day of the first semester till now that you've had some pretty big shifts in mindset or beliefs in regards to anything? Everything. <laughs> um, literally everything. Um, going into school, I was probably one of those that 
um, was like, I can't wait to be the person that can walk around a grocery store and be like, this person's walking like this, so they have this pain. Um, or, um, you know, fix all the dysfunctions, find it with my eyes. Or maybe, I don't, I don't know if I was at, I'd probably given up palpation by then. Given up palpation before starting Cairo school, look at me. Um, but no, I mean, everything, core stability, probably that was another big one for me when all of that kind of unstabilized in my mind. Um, uh, most recently, though, has been, um, I don't know how important gamification is outside of really fear-avoidant individuals. I think gamification has been kind of... Um, touted as the next big thing like we, we have to have fun i guess is what i'm saying we have to have fun it has to be fun um i think to the point is I, I i'm starting to think it needs to be valuable but not fun so it needs to be that shared decision making uh between the patient and the clinician that this we have a plan and this is the out the goal that we're trying to achieve and it doesn't necessarily have to be we're throwing a ball around and having fun. I think that comes in maybe a little more when it's a really high fear avoidant individual that you're almost having to trick the nervous system into allowing them, let's say, into spinal flexion um, by using balls or having fun. Um, but once we get kind of past that, I think the, the importance is value and in a shared decision making. I think that's kind of been my my recent change. Still kind of um, up in the air about that. Um, Blame Ben Cormack for that one, though. Ruin my mind then. Do you kind of these last few questions? Do you see any other resources that have had a huge impact on you that other students or clinicians can go towards? And if, thinking about maybe some undergrads or some people applying to Cairo School. Do you have any recommendations or thoughts or things that you wish you did? Um, yeah, I think that I, I definitely the clinical athlete forum, um, but just the community, just the community around clinical athlete, barbell medicine, um, level up. And I, I, I say that not, not because I'm on this podcast, but it's because everybody there is so willing to help. Um, I think that some of, sometimes we get kind of scared to email somebody because they have X amount of followers or they have this podcast or they have this group. And I think what we need to remember is that everybody's kind of human and kind of in the same spot. And there's nobody here is like so incredibly famous. They get 300 emails every day and everybody, I, I, at least what I've seen is that everybody kind of replies. And I think we're all almost stuck in a little Island sometimes in our own like neighborhood. I mean, some, depending on what state or city you're in, you might have a little more clinicians around you than other people. But with the internet, we've been able to connect and have these discussions. And a lot of us just want to have these discussions and we can't in our day-to-day -day lives because we maybe don't work with clinicians that have like-minded like thoughts or um, our immediate friends don't really run in this realm or anything like that. Um, so a lot, a lot of people just want to talk about this stuff and don't know... Um, don't have people to, to talk to about it. So I would always suggest to reach out and email people um, with questions um, because I've 
emailed so many people, talked to Instagram, DM so many people, and everybody has always been so nice. Um, the only thing is, as Taylor Eckel says, make sure you're, you Google your question first. Um, so that, that's what I would, uh, I would really recommend is to get involved in conversations. Like I said, um, you're not going to figure it all in one day and, and you're going to change your mind a million times. And as Quinn said, um, you're going to hate what you said a couple of years ago, especially if you write it down somewhere where uh, other people can see it like a forum or Instagram, but that's just the process of growing. And I mean, even, even the people that I most look up to right now, I, I still read some of the stuff that they used to post and, and I'm just like, what did you think there? And, and they'll tell me they're like, yeah, but you see how much I've grown. Um, I used to think that, but not anymore. And it's so like you can't expect as a student or an upcoming student to have it all figured out either if people that have been in this for 20, 30 years are still asking questions, but you should, you should use that as a fire. Like that's why I enjoy even like, let's say Twitter, like Greg Lehman's on there asking questions every day. And I'm like, this guy has been at this for 30 years and it's still on Twitter every day. So like, who do I think I am knowing anything kind of ordeal. And I would second that to reaching out to really anyone, even if you think that they're unreachable. And I think what also helps is you kind of use the student card in a sense, like just saying, hey, I'm a, I'm a student that I think almost personalizes or puts you on a specific, um, I don't know what the right word is, like platform of you're inherently learning and trying to grow and you're probably younger, like, I mean, Quinn, I've freaking, I knew about you since the dark side strength days, like OG, I think I was a sophomore, freshman and undergrad, and then randomly reaching out to you a few months ago to ask to join like my school journal club and then reaching out again to try this student clinical athlete podcast series and just realizing that the majority of people that you may look up to as clinicians or researchers or whatever, like they're not that it, they're not that busy to not respond to a student or to someone who's generally curious to talk to them or to learn more, which is extremely exciting for sure. That's what the forum is there for. Post your question and people get to it. I, yeah, I guess I'm just not far enough removed. I just still remember I was, I mean, I was the guy sending email questions, like massive email questions to to people like dumping my brain and uh and I can't imagine them opening it and be like oh my god you know and and getting back to me on that um and so I just try to remember always where I was and where I am now and where I will be because now where I am right now hopefully in the future I'll think back and say oh you were so cute thinking the thinking that thing that you thought you know <laughs> um so you guys just, you raised some really good points. And, and I hope that as clinicians also listening to this will not forget, you know, where you once were and where you want to go. And there's going to be questions that you have that you're going to be asking. Um, so hopefully we're all just kind of paying it forward. And I think that's what makes these types of communities so powerful. Because it just never, it never stops. And in the more interaction, the more strength from within, you know? Right. 
Sandy Hilton, I said the other day, was talking about the the best thing that she does for her practice is to have students come in because they ask her the hard questions and she has to explain them in a more simple manner. And that's what kind of forces her to keep up with things and be able to explain it in a simple manner. And I think that we, we say student as somebody that's in a grad program, but I think at the end of the day, we're kind of all students and we have to be lifelong students. Um, so with that, I, I think with, with being in a community like this, it forces you to kind of keep up and, and be able to explain things and not just, hey, this makes sense in my head. Um, I can actually regurgitate what I'm saying um, or what I'm thinking. Um, so I think that's a, a, something I've taken really big. It's like, yeah, eventually I'll graduate, but I will always consider myself a student in this because we have to be, especially with the little amounts of knowledge that we have on MSK. And kind of running off of that, it raises the bar, the standard of these discussions. And looking at the questions or the conversations I have with people like you, Geronimo, or other students that are active in these type of forums or communities, and then going to back to like school, um, it is shocking how little of these long format conversations happen and even grad programs. And so, as you said, like maybe you feel like you're on an island in your university or whatever program you're in, realizing that there are people that are crushing it all throughout the world and you may just not know them at the time, but it's once you do, you realize that there are people setting the standards, setting the bar, trying to raise like expectations of best practice and kind of being a student and being a clinician. Yeah, you're not alone in this. It's basically it. Yeah. Well, I know I can say seven years out now is still kind of a baby in the field, but being far enough removed from school now to be able to interact with individuals like you two and just be blown away at, at this. I mean, this, this type of conversation that we're having. And Chris, to your point, like, you know, I know that there were amazing students when I was a student, obviously, that were, that were having these types of conversations. But at minimum, I wasn't exposed to it as much as I am now within this, you know, community drama, to your point, that the internet has, is able to connect us. And so we, we have these individuals where it's like, wow, there's so many really, really smart people, so passionate. And I just think, you know, as myself as a student, I wouldn't be, you know, I'd be getting your, your ice water so you could talk and say more smart things. As a, as a student to student, I, I wasn't there, even though I, th I think that I thought I was a whole lot smarter than I am now. Um, but these types of conversations can help to kind of break that ego and they can help people let go a little bit more and feel a little bit more vulnerable when we kind of all admit that, you know, we're all in the same boat as far as, as being unsure of things. So let's just start there as an anchor. And that, and that is hopefully a safe space instead of coming into it with, this is what I know. And then now what do you know? And then that's your anchor to begin with. That's, that doesn't lend itself to healthy discussion and growth a lot of the time, but with individuals like you, and I think other students seeing that, and I think other clinicians, you know, you can be an example for a clinician in the sense of this, this lifelong learning passion and this passion for learning and this kind of uh, open-mindedness to the uncertainty of things and, and you know, this healthy, truly, true healthy skepticism. Um, 
it's, it's inspiring, you know, not just the students. So I just want to say thank you to you two. Um, it's inspiring for me and it, it, it lights a fire under my ass every day. Yeah, and I guess one of the last points is these, and Geronimo, you mentioned this as well, these communities with clinical athlete and other big places, it's, there really aren't any answers. A lot of times it is the two big things that I seem to keep coming back to is you're realizing the complexity of situations and the uncertainty. And that's what makes it so fascinating and continuing these conversations because it's just, you're trying to go down this road of trying to figure out what is a better option or what's less wrong, but it's, that's, what's fascinating because we're probably never going to have any of the right answers. Right. And, and just know that everybody kind of hits the same walls. Um, everybody that I've kind of talked to, especially the students, uh, everybody hits those like, Oh, does nothing matter wall and like the big pain science wall. And, and just know that, that everybody has kind of been there and we, we all have gone past it. I think that was a big one for me to seeing people that have been like, yep, I've been there. I know exactly what you're feeling. Don't worry. And then having those conversations really helped me because there are some, it's scary when, when you realize how little we know, like that uncertainty is for sure scary. No matter how much you want to talk about, you have to be comfort, comfortable in it. There is still a wall you hit when you get to these uncertainties. Um, and I think that really helps having other people that have been like, yep, I was exactly there a year ago, or I was there six months ago or five years ago or whatever. And, um, being able to, um, discuss those experiences is important, has helped me a lot. That's awesome, man. Um, I guess we can wrap it up. Do you, for people who do want to reach out to you or kind of hear more about your background and where you're going, is there any specific place people can reach out? Yeah, you can um, DM me on Instagram at uh, Geronimo95 and on Twitter at G-E-R-O-5. I'm on Twitter a lot. Um, Highly recommend Twitter. And then I'll see you guys on the forum. Sweet. Thank you so much, Geronimo. Thank you guys for having me. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. Chris, thanks so much for for bringing this to life. Geronimo, again, thanks so much for being the first. Uh, We wouldn't we don't have a, a better person to kind of kick this off. Um, it's really interesting to hear your story and, and it'll be really fun to kind of watch your journey, you know, knowing the vision that you have now for it and seeing how that evolves in the future. It'll be really cool. I really appreciate it. And, and thank you, Quinn, for creating this. Like this has helped. I know so many, so many people, I, uh, I can speak for the Cairo students that have recently joined that have been like, you need to get on this. Um, and seeing them in, in there and having discussions, I'm like, oh, it's so great seeing them like two months ago asking me about palpation and now they're on, on the forum having these discussions that I'm, not, I'm having trouble keep up with. So it's really cool seeing a lot of people grow. Um, so it's awesome. Love it. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks, Quinn. Thanks. We'd like to thank Geronimo for being on the show. You can check out the show notes for contact info of everyone in today's conversation. And thank you to our all-star student forum member, Chris Hewen, for bringing the student series back to life. And thank you, the clinical athlete community, 
all six of you for joining us on this journey of knowledge and improved practice in both the gym and clinic. If you want to dive even deeper into this community, you can check out all the Clinical Athlete Forum has to offer, which includes all of our Clinical Athlete Academy courses, amazing discussions and networking with professional clinicians and coaches, as well as students, and just our overall hub of knowledge in regards to athlete health and performance. Thanks, everyone, and talk to you soon.